Hi everyone, Paul from the Innovation Community here. Today I'm with Aidan Hamway from United Health Group. Uh, a lecturer and quantitative analyst by trade, Aidan is currently helping analytics for hundreds of millions of dollars in insurance claims. Uh, great to have you with us, Aidan. Hey, how's it going? Good to be yeah. here. Yes, very well, and uh, good to have you with us. Uh, just tell us a bit about yourself in a few words to start with. Sure. Um, so, I suppose the, the start of my uh, uh, career and, and journey, but even before that, was uh, um, I did a degree in mathematics, mathematical sciences, and then I moved into the uh, financial modeling space. So, um, kind of stock market uh, modeling, how, how to price uh, various options and uh, just broadly financial modeling. Um, I then moved into a PhD in healthcare um, where I was looking at various models to model uh, epidemics. Um, so all this COVID stuff and all, all the modeling there has, has been quite interesting to watch and uh, uh, figure out what sort of models they're, they're using there. But my PhD was pr primarily around that uh, for, for a disease called tuberculosis. Um, and yeah, there's various statistical and mathematical uh, methods there that we, we had to implement. Um, so yeah, I got two papers published out of that and, and, a, and a PhD thesis. Um, and then from there, I transitioned into a company called Susquehanna Group, uh, which uh, um, was part of a, as a quantitative researcher there. Um, and I was in the option pricing department. Uh, so researching new methods to uh, to price options. Um, then I moved on to Indeed, um, where I was a quantitative analyst again, and uh, was helping out with the marketing department and various uh, 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 analytics there. So you have your uh, LTV calculation, so your your long uh, long term value lifetime value depending on your organization and then uh, marketing uplift uh, analytics which revolves or incorporates various Bayesian uh, models and, and things of that nature and then puts me where I am now which is uh, OptimoreX which is a, a, a company underneath United Health Group and I've been there just shy of just under three years now um, and uh, started off as a associate director of analytics uh, pricing uh, uh, pharmacy claims, so drugs, and uh, got promoted about a year and a half ago to, to director where, where I'm uh, helping lead the team uh, in that space in, in, in pricing uh, pharmacy claims and, and drugs. Um, but So it made it sound like it's pricing, but in, in reality, it's actually quite heavy on the data analytics and uh, uh, yeah, so just big data and uh, uh, random processes there that we we have to deal with. A pretty diverse career that you've got there. How has that changed from you know when you first started out? Did you really think you'd end up doing what you do now? No, no. Uh, so yeah, but my my current uh, title um, is director of Mac pricing, and anytime I have to sit down with family members or friends and describe what it is, uh, it takes about a half hour, and they they. Uh, um, I feel I have to do it every single time we meet. So it's, it's quite an intricate and detailed uh, line to land on. But to be honest with you, I mean, the, any any kind of sector or, or um, you know, you, you have your marketing, you have your, your you have uh, healthcare, you have uh, finance, uh, 
you have pricing where I am now. Um, as long as I'm solving problems uh, or I'm helping people solve problems, and, and the, the crux of it is, is using data to, to, to answer questions and to, to get that edge in decision making. Um, and that, that has been a pretty common theme for the last uh, decade of my life. It's, it's, it's been leveraging data to either discover new insights and, and figure out new ways of, of approaching problems or for just informing decision making. And as long as I'm, I've been involved in that, I, I'm, uh, I've been quite happy. So, um, yeah. And what really interests you about working with data then? Uh, it's, uh, so I, I thought about, I think about this quite a lot in terms of, you know, what, what is data and why, uh, why is it sort of, we've had this sort of data wave within the last five, 10 years or so, maybe less. Um, and I think that the, the crux of it is, so if we, if we were to go to the academic sense, like what, what is, what is data? It's, it's a, a set of observations, but that's such a broad definition. So it's like, I observe the listeners of this podcast are, are, uh, taking in information from the headset into their ears and that's data that they're absorbing and then they they uh, they then can decide to decide on uh, what to do with that data um, so it, it, data can be quite broad in terms of how you how you how you how you look at it um, you know what color are your bed sheets what what uh, sex are you what uh, age are you um, th- there's a numerous, there, there's an infinite number of data points out there that anyone can kind of collect and, and look at, but it, it's the most unbiased form of observing the world. So it's it removes any bias that we have as humans. So we might have some sort of preconceived notions over, you know, I feel that this demographic should behave in this way or they're not going to get our product or, um, you know, the disease is going to behave this way and uh, I have a feeling that it's going to be uh, observe or this sort of characteristics. But that kind of cuts through a lot of that. Um, and it cuts through a lot of, of incorrect uh, uh, notions that, that I, I feel people have had. And that's what I love about it. It's, it's the most purest form of, of the world that we have at the moment. And you can visualize it in beautiful ways. You can you can make decisions on it in a very uh, uh, confident manner. Um, so that, that's that's pretty much what I what I love most about it. It's that it's it's this very it's this purity to it, and um, the fact that we're now kind of within the last ten years, ten to five years, been been sort of jumping on board in terms of acting on it. I think has been great. I think there's a lot of sectors or businesses out there that are still catching up on it, and they still have sort of older way of of uh, older ways of decision making and and getting things done. Um, but yeah, it's great. I, I I find I think it's a great time for for data uh, analysts or or data scientists to 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 come to the forefront and and be kind of leaders in in how we how we make decisions and how, how we how we go building uh, new products and new new uh, new models it's fantastic to hear the way that you talk about data it's not like okay we can use data to 
get from A to B and that's that's great it's 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 there's a lot of expressionism about it and uh, one question that I think would be quite interesting to ask is what role does uh, the creative personality serve in the data world because it is a world of numbers yeah yeah so yeah that, that's a that's a good point there in terms of your last one in terms of it's it's a world of numbers so you typically have someone so when, when someone I think outside of the industry kind of looks in at data analytics, they, they might categorize someone as like an accountant or someone who just goes away and number crunches in their head and they, um, um, you know, they just have, I think was it the left or right side of the brain? I don't know which one, but they have that really developed and they don't have the other side developed. And um, um, But I, I think like at the crux of it, Again, data are just observations. So it's just observing things in the world. And um, a lot of the time, or, or in all, all the businesses I've worked for, the individuals that have either broken off and formed their own team, or who have completely shifted the foundations in terms of how the decision or how the business makes decisions, have been individuals that have viewed the data differently to how it it normally gets viewed. Um, so if you want to think of it as something like we price this way, this is how we price, we add on. So if you want to think of an apple, we're going to add on 10% onto the cost of the apple and that's that's how we're going to price. Um, and that might be a model. So that, that's a model for pricing. But if you want to think of it in terms of, uh, so it can impact multiple, multiple aspects of the data science sort of um, uh, uh, I don't know, pipeline. So you, it can occur in the creative aspect can occur in your exploratory analysis in terms of you first get your hands on some new data and some fresh data and you go in and you look at it and you might look at the data in a different way than what has been done before. So you could come up with a scatter plot that, that may not have been generated before and you could come up, you could do these transforms on the data, you could come up with new columns, new new, new metrics there that have never been generated before. So this is the new, new way of looking at things. So anytime we venture into something new, it, it requires a bit of creativity there. And then when you begin to sort of visualize those things and sort of get an insight in terms of how they impact your business, um, you can then start to make decisions and Pretty much everyone that I've I've worked with has either and who who have gone on to to get promoted quickly or who have gone on to 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 uh, form their own team have been individuals that have done that that have looked at the business differently fundamentally from data so taken this creative approach from it and said well why don't we just do it this way or how about we, I'm noticing this relationship between these two variables here that I've just created um. What if we were to act on this? And within that, you can then grow and develop your own team and you can come up with a, an entirely new way of making decisions for the business. So that's part of it on the exploratory analysis. And you can also do that with, with regards to like modeling. Um, so you can think of different ways to model. So you can think of like fundamentally, they might just always price using a regression model or they might always price using or they might always uh, uh, forecast using this this one way of modeling, and this is the industry standard, and this is you know we, we always use this Python package to forecast, and it's uh, or we, we always get a rolling average, and we for roll that forward, and um, we, we use that to, to forecast. 
Um, but it's the individuals that kind of go in and uh, again, it's, it's the observation piece is key. So you, you simply observe what the data uh, are doing. So a lot of individuals will, will go in and try fit this preconceived model. Like I want to fit a, an ARIMA model to, to, to my data to forecast, or I want to fit this Excel forecast model to, to, um, to forecast. But if you actually go in and look at what the data is in terms of um, if it's customers returning over and over again, or if there's a cer certain attributes there, business attributes that you can leverage to inform the model, um, then all of a sudden, and then you can build a new model from that, you, you then have something that one is more accurate and two could lend further insight to the business. Um, so an example of this, I, I think in a, in a former role we had, um, uh, it was that customer attribute and uh, we elected to, to move away from, from using the standardized uh, forecasting approach uh, to using Markov chains, which are, are these chains, which is that you have a probability of, of returning to or to, of going to a different state. So I go from being a, a subscriber to all of a sudden not being a subscriber. So that's the subscriber is one state and not being a subscriber is another state. So we have a given probability from going from one to another. And when we looked at it through that lens or through that, uh, so we first observed the data that, hey, all these customers seem to be bouncing around in between uh, being subscribers and not subscribers. And uh, when we kind of just observed that and then began to think back, hey, where, where else did we kind of see this before? We, we could apply uh, Markov chains to or Markov uh, chain analytics to it and uh, come up with these host of new metrics that ended up lending uh, insight for executive leadership that we, uh, we could generate. Um, so yeah, there's two two primary things, which is in the modeling and then the the exploratory analysis piece in terms of viewing the data that that uh, I'd say are critical uh, for for people to develop, and it also is just good for for people to to um to be engaged in in what they're what they're looking at and not just churning out the standardized uh, models or, or methods that are always out there. Um, yeah. That's a, a fantastic case study. What are some of the other major successes that you've achieved over your career? Oh, sure. Um, so I think, uh, so I, I, I did have a long enough stint there in, in academia. So we, we came up with this um, new modeling method. So you take your standard linear regression, which is just a forming a line over time. And what, what I elected to do was to take a derivative of it instead of just using a standard uh, line. And it, it ended up yielding a bunch of new results or, or new ways of looking at the data. And that, that was, uh, and I ended up getting a paper out of it. So that, that was something that I am quite proud of. Uh, outside of that, uh, in my career, um, yeah, I, I think one of the, more prouder things I've done has been, um, so you, you have these steps along uh, any given project. You have kind of the uh, project initiation. You might kind of form a, 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 a relationship with the stakeholder, uh, and then you might uh, kind of define, you might get a project out of uh, working with them, and then you refine requirements. You, you kind of meet with them and figure out, hey, what, what would this project look like? Could we do this? And you, you kind of just do some refining there. 
and then you you gradually move into um, exploring and the data and uh, generating analytics and generating a model that will solve the problem. Um, and then you, you report on that and you might uh, have a presentation or, or uh, have some sort of ongoing uh, reporting there. So it, um, one of my, I suppose, proudest pieces has been taking that with, within the company I currently work for and uh, taking them from these legacy systems, which is just Excel-based uh, methods of, of um of doing things which were were uh, prone to error, so you have copy paste there. You have you have uh, formula being incorrect errors. There was no peer review there. There's um, there's a chance that the data being pulled in, so copy paste in could 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 have been wrong. You might have uh, cut off a certain amount of data or the SQL query that was being generated to come up with the data could have been completely incorrect, and then. Yeah, there was further errors in terms of QA checks that thereafter. Um, so it was, it was taking that and and bring it to where we are today, um, and that was achieved through developing those relationships and each one of those steps that I mentioned, um, uh, refining requirements. Okay, what is the challenge that we face here? What what uh what do we need to achieve? What's the end output look like? Um, and then uh, generating models, so we, we generated an entirely new way of pricing and a new way of uh, of so you can replace the word pricing with modeling anytime I say it because it's pretty much the same thing. So we we, we leverage a new way which is uh, regression, um, which which hadn't been done before. So we before they we 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 might have done a, a very simplistic method, which I'll, I'll throw one out here is if you if you have an apple, you add on ten percent to it, but now if we leverage regression. Uh, we could uh, hit our targets a lot, lot better, um, and then subsequently reporting out, outside of that. How's how's the model doing um, on an ongoing basis at the end of each run? What are the metrics we want to see? Um, so t taking that initial legacy system up to where it is now, which is a, a full blown application, and um, yeah, with with help from the team that I I work with um, to. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of that. Um, that that's been quite a, a fun ride to be on. Um, so we, at the moment, we have a full grain, full grown uh, ML model in production. That we have a host of metrics uh, being being uh, churned out each time it runs, and um, uh, we're not all all the way there because I don't think you ever reach the end of the rainbow with this stuff. But um, yeah, I think it's nice to pause and just be be. Uh, yeah, be be happy with how far far we've come up with that. Um, so yeah, th taking that legacy system up to where we are now, which is uh, semi-advanced analytics, um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of. Yeah, and, and it sounds like the, the fact that you said it was a fun ride as well uh, means that that you also enjoyed it while you were doing it, which is which is yeah really important. Uh, how are you currently leveraging technology to your advantage? I mean, what role do you think it's going to have in the future? Yeah, so. Um, I, I was thinking about this. Um, uh, so at the moment we're, we're using it primarily to 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 uh, help with a scalability problem. So we we needed these models run out um, uh, um, across the board for. So I think you you mentioned at the start that there was hundreds of millions of dollars. There's, there's 
we're we're close. We're, we enter into the billions of claims that require um, require modeling. Um, so th that's where we we've kind of used technology and specifically uh, um, Kubernetes to uh, to help with that scalability problem. So we need this model run many many times on our data to to uh, either generate pricing or uh, come up with with new insights. Um, and at the moment, we just don't have the, or a few months ago or, or 12 months ago, we would have said we, we don't have the, the capabilities to roll that out. But uh, now we're, we're leveraging it for scalability. So we, we've um, actually uh, gone up by our, our price has, has uh, grown exponentially within the last uh, year or two. Um, it's it's gone up by a factor of uh, three, I would say, uh, each every six months. Um, so yeah, that that's been great. The, the other piece is um, so once you have those automated platforms in in place, it then enables your the team and myself included to to go away, and we're we're not all of a sudden doing these tasks anymore that are are manual that had to be done before you then have the ability to to go away and do advanced analytics and get 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 your business in order um so now that you've got the train rolling with regards to day-to-day -day operational uh tasks uh, in place through true automation and through that scalability because you're doing it across the board you can then uh have your team focus on what they're what I believe they're really interested in, which is the advanced analytics and the creative aspect, coming up with new initiatives, with new models, and uh, seeing them from end to end. Um, so, and then in addition to that, so how you come up with that is you have state-of-the-art reporting there. So once you have all the automated uh, uh, processes in place, you have your you have dashboards, you have um, great reporting. So you, you make sure that you have state-of-the-art reporting in terms of all the models that are any any health metrics that you have in place that that they're they're being developed on and you, yeah you, you have a, a suite of them there that you can you can go in and look at um, and then you can go in and generate more advanced models from those reports or from those health metrics um, and then the last piece on that is that you, so the technology piece once you have a broaden sort of strategy or, or broaden uh, process in place that can affect um, every part in your department or every every whatever uh, you're you're working on at that time. Uh, you can then roll out kind of comprehensive uh, strategic initiatives. So, um, whereas before, if you had to come up with a really great idea, it might have been feasible for one model or it might have taken a lot of time to implement. But now that you have this broadened scope of what you what you can implement uh, your uh, uh, models on, you can now uh, go and implement new models and new strategy that might be coming down from executives or, or otherwise, you can implement that very broadly. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's been, uh, quite helpful um but yeah just to finally ask, ask your question just what one last thing that we uh that i if i had to guess is what what we're seeing is we're uh just on, on the talent base we're seeing a lot of individuals transition from 
one area. So up to a certain point, they might have been in banking or they might have been in, um, uh, I don't know, the financial sector or, or they might have been somewhere else and they would like to get into the data analytics space. They want to get into data science and that it's something that they might be good at, but they're, they're transitioning there and there might be some sort of skill, uh, 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 there might be some learning process there that, that needs to be done. Um, so just with the technology, I could possibly see it uh, being broadened in terms of um, being a bit more, so where, where it might head is that it might be more palatable for, for individuals coming from other sectors. So tools like Python and um, that, that have these a big suite of packages and, and capabilities that that becomes a bit bit more accessible by uh, for individuals that are either transitioning or, or just entering um, into into the data analytics sector but one thing's for sure is that this it's not going away we're going to need these um uh, we need data analytics we need we're going to have to form a lot of our decisions around it uh, or using it so um yeah, I think the more broadened uh, and uh, more accessibility there on, on those tools, we'll, we'll, we'll see that in the next uh, few years, if I had to guess. Could be completely wrong, but yeah. A lot of the the discussion there was based around both the, the senior leadership and also your team members. How do you find it the most effective way to communicate with your team members? Sure. So... Um, it kind of depends on the on the on the team member um so um yeah for, for the most part what what would be ideal is that you have someone who's completely competent um well all, all my team members are competent i, I should say that yeah what you what you'd like someone who who is a five out of five in in every dimension of of uh the data process um so you're establishing relationships with the stakeholders, having a great relationship there, being friendly with them, um, having a strong connection, understanding their needs, understanding uh, where the business is headed overall. Um, so that's one element of it. Um, you have requirements gathering, uh, data gathering in terms of SQL statements or otherwise data. Then you have data cleaning, formatting, uh, exploring the data, generating new models, generating reporting in terms of how, how good or bad is this initiative doing and then you have the presentation or communication of what you've found from your from your project um so um for the most part if 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 i if i see that the the team member is, is capable in all of those dimensions um that's fantastic i i want to see them grow in all of those areas and um i'd like them to to lead themselves um, as much as humanly possible um, lead as many initiatives that they can. So, um, yeah, so uh, if they're, uh, if they need development in one area or they just came on board and they're not, they haven't used the, so I suppose when they came on board and they, they haven't used ore before, um, uh, it might just sort of help them in, in that area for a project so we might come on board and, and kind of um uh yeah just help with that piece so uh i'd say i i support them a, a fair amount in, in terms of uh 
depends where, where they're finding, finding struggle within a given project. Um, but yeah, uh, so overall I'd say it's a very supportive and uh, um, uh, I don't know if the theory why uh, manager in place where, where I kind of want want the uh, um, analyst to grow and, and um, uh, kind of question, uh, kind of playfully question why they might do something. Um, but I think having a very supportive um, uh, management style or communication style with them is is crucial because um, when it comes to data science and, and each one of those processes or each one of those dimensions that I talked about, I think it's important that you have someone who is very well capable and someone who can develop their in their career with, with respect to each one of them. So um, and data science is, is quite a quite a uh, can be quite difficult and quite, can be quite complex. Um, so I feel having that um, uh, supportive uh, style is quite quite important. And then in addition to that, if 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 uh, so, as I mentioned, it, it can be quite complex. That the whole you could be running a very advanced model, and you could be getting into the weeds with respect to I don't know something isn't coming out the way that that is desired, or there's just a problem with getting data, and it can get it can lead to quite a lot of anxiety. Um, in terms of um, not understanding what needs to be done, or, or yeah, it, it can with the complexity you can you can it can yield anxiety. So I feel having a sense of humor uh, around uh, work, targeted humor, but uh, having humor nonetheless, I think uh, I feel alleviates a lot of that in terms of. Um, Having it just a more enjoyable job to to be in, and and um, having just a, a well glued team overall, I, I just feel it's uh, yeah, it's important. Absolutely, and and a big one that's uh, a big challenge for a lot of people right now is is how do you actually communicate with the team when everybody or most people are working from home? I mean, how has COVID nineteen affected your role and and also the wider organisation? Yeah, so. Um, my organization has been very, very good with respect to the action plan there in terms of protecting their uh, employees and ensuring safety. So um, I think we, we worked from home the, immediately. So I'm, I'm based in Ireland. Um, we, we worked from home the, the moment that uh, I think there was something like 100 cases in Ireland or so, something like that. And then we've been working home from home ever since, and uh, it's been very supportive with regards um, returning to work. Uh, so uh, if someone's not feeling comfortable or otherwise, they they don't have to have to return, or uh, if they have vulnerable family members, they don't. Um, uh, yeah, there, there's zero pressure there. Um, but um, overall, the so the so. A lot of the time with, with, with the advanced analytics, you, you kind of sometimes attract uh, introverts um, to the team. So um, we, we don't have solely introverts, but we, we have one or two extroverts, but um, uh, the introverts seem to seem to like working from home in that uh, they they have the peace and quiet, they have the supportive uh, environment of their uh, of their home around and, and they're, they're able to focus on problem solving uh, whereas in an office space, if you, I don't know if you see in uh, the movies or, or just in general, any office space, you'll, you'll typically have the data scientists with their headphones on and the, they'll be trying to focus on, on getting work done. Um, 
So I feel like it has been beneficial from that standpoint in, in terms of problem solving, coding, getting things done. Um, we've I've, I've set up a, a, a daily stand-up call as well because we're not seeing each other as much. Um, so just in the morning, we have uh, just a, a morning touch point just to, and we chat about how everyone's doing or what's in the news or, or whatever else. Um, and we also have a joke of the day just to make sure to keep things uh, move along. And we, then everyone talks about their work in terms of what they want to achieve that day. Um, but yeah, it, ha- it has been tough in some, some respects. So in terms of collaboration, idea sharing, like you don't have the person sitting a meter across from you that uh, you would have asked for an opinion on or, or asked for help with on something before. Um, but uh, yeah, I'd say overall it's been it's been uh, um, it's been positive and negative in in uh, but um, it, it hasn't hurt uh, my department or my my team as much as as others. So uh, you might have somewhere where you have sort of sales or or marketing where they where they're constantly in meeting and they're constantly kind of uh, you know creating new uh, new ways of doing things or bouncing ideas off each other um uh so yeah i i could understand how 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 it might be more difficult for the for those teams uh, that makes a lot of sense and what do you think the best piece of advice you ever received was oh advice um let's say so there's a quote there that which um, might sound cheesy, but uh, it's uh, the quote is, uh, this too shall pass. Um, it got told to me by someone, uh, I think a couple of years ago. Um, and um, it just, what I've read from it is, is that, um, so I, I'm quite, kind of driven and I want to make sure the job gets done and um um but with that you can have some anxiety come up in terms of whether or not you're going to hit your annual goals and um so that that quote has kind of stuck with me in that it's important to just realize that um and it's important just to take a step back and just to to be an effective leader you, you have to kind of just be able to take a step back and, and look at the situation as it is and um if if it is a particularly difficult period or you're having a particular difficulty with a project uh, that's not going through no matter how hard you try um that um yeah you 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 remain relaxed and that you 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 approach the problem with a steady mindset and that you you realize that um, even though it might be chaotic, that you 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 just calmly approach the problem and you keep your 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 level head on you. And um, yeah, particularly in in business, you have a lot of volatile. No, you, you can run into volatility in terms of either communication or uh, one department might do it a certain way, and uh, they they. You, um, they might not want to change the way they're doing it, or you might need access to data that that one department has. Um, um, so I, I I think keeping a level head and just 
uh, yeah, keeping calm and, and just making sure everything uh, gets done by the end of, at the end of the day, and you, you don't sort of compromise on your your values in terms of um, you know being having integrity and uh, staying positive and and helping out people. Um, yeah. So that's probably been the best advice I've received within the last few years, particularly within the in the private sector overall and the few roles that I've had. And what does your routine look like? Sure. Um, so first thing in the morning, I, I wake up, I uh, get up about seven and uh, in a normal, so the routine has got thrown off kilter with the COVID-19 situation, but um I, I would go into work. I'd be in at my desk for about half eight. Uh, I get my morning coffee, um, and uh, I work for a U.S. company. So typically, when you, when you work for a U.S. company, you have a a slew of emails waiting for you when you when you get in because when you go home, they're 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 still working away there. Um, I'll try answer emails in the evenings if if uh, if they're important. Um. But yeah, you'll typically have a backlog there when you get in. So you typically address those anywhere from 50 to 70 emails in the morning. You get them out of the way. And then I feel that this is important for, for anyone in sort of uh, either an analytic role or, or a leadership role that I think you, you should section off the first part of the day. So anywhere from anywhere before lunch uh, should be dedicated to problem solving. Um, because I feel that everyone's their most sharpest at, at that time of day. Um, in particular, you're, you're refreshed. So if you if you if you went home thinking about a problem, um, and you might have been exhausted and you just couldn't come up with a solution to it, uh, sleeping on it often helps a, a tremendous amount. So when you come in, you you might have that new perspective in terms of having being able to solve the problem. Um, and then also your brain is just completely refreshed. So you're able to come up with, oh, this problem requires this solution. Let me just put these things together and I can, I can, uh, I can uh, solve it. So yeah, I think it's important just to have that, that part sectioned off. And then because I'm in a leadership role, I typically have a, a lot of meetings. So I'll, I'll, I'll try uh, push them out into the, the afternoon slash evening um, and, just generally get updates from from the team and uh, help people where, where they need to, um, and then just generally get together and, and talk about uh, um, you know projects or or where we're at with things or if there's a particular department that needs help or or wants to meet to talk about something I'll, I'll, I'll do it in the, in the afternoon and then towards the end of the day um, the office gets a bit more quiet um, so people tend to go home around five or six so it, I find that last hour or two is a a good time to to uh, get whatever you're you, you didn't you weren't able to polish off uh, during the day uh, completed so that's a typical day then I go home and relax for the evening probably watch some uh, podcasts or, or, or YouTube on the on the on the train ride home Sounds good. What's your top working from home tip? Um, so I think the the most common one that gets gets thrown out there in articles is get get a routine. You know, have um, have something where, that you're doing it regularly on each day. And um, I find the best way to have those routines is to to have 
meetings scheduled in in your in your calendar um so uh either have a daily check-in with someone so that that it guarantees you to be at your desk at this time and since you're at your desk you're, you're going to work anyway um so that, that's a crucial uh thing that i found helpful from working from home um the other piece is to to try section off time so what, what we found is that sometimes people are, are kind of letting the work life uh, bleed into their personal life so they might continue on working um late into the evening or because their laptop is there in their living room or, or bedroom or wherever they they might continue on working um so try to try to keep that uh Try to section off work. Try to have an allotted period where you're, you're trying to get done, something done unless it's of critical priority. And then the last thing that I felt quite helpful is just to keep active. Um, so we've been in lockdown and people, you know, you got your gyms cut off. You've got your, if you're on the earlier stages, you, you weren't getting out and walking. You, you had probably a, a limited radius where you could go. Um, I think that that, uh, for me, anyway, I, for the first part, I, I kind of was quite, quite limited by that. So just ensuring that you're getting out, um, leaving your house at least once a day, um, just to because you can kind of get stuck in the same environment and you can get sluggish. So, um, yeah, that would, that would be uh, my primary uh, tips for people. What are you curious about right now? Uh, so let's see. Um, curious where Python is going long term. That's something that interests me. Um, yeah, be interested to see where technology is going overall. Um, I'd be very interested to see where models are going. Uh, in terms of maybe the the ability to roll out AI to to other areas. Um, so at the moment, you require quite a lot of processing power to roll out a, a deep learning a, a platform. But it'd be interesting to see where that's going in terms of uh, uh, bringing that computation power down. Um, but yeah, and then outside of that, I'm uh, outside of uh, data and analytics. I'm curious about uh, who's going to win the next American election, who's going to uh, what, what sort of landscape we're going to have there, and um, yeah just broadly uh, where the economy is going, if there's going to be another recession or uh, yeah, how COVID's going to, if COVID will ever go away. That's another thing that I'm, uh, if they'll eventually establish a vaccine and that vaccine will have a, a good uh, efficiency rate. Um, yeah, so all, all of these things I'm, I'm curious about. Here's hoping. Uh, yeah. Last question, what advice would you give for aspiring leaders in analytics? Yeah, so um, I would say you should hire people that will be better than you uh, in with respect to the data analytics, uh, or they might be they might have a, a a given attribute that you might not necessarily be an expert in. Uh, so a given language, say, take it that you just don't know anything about. Um, but it would still solve the problem that you're trying to trying to solve when in hiring for the role, um, and particularly with data science uh, individuals, it, it's important that. Uh, so I, I I categorize myself as a data scientist as well as a, a leader, um, 
it's important that they have the the freedom and the autonomy to to generate their own projects and 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 see see those projects end to end so promoting that i think is it will be quite beneficial to the business long term in that you you're going to have a, a team of highly trained individuals who are capable of of uh leading their own initiatives um and yeah the last thing is something that i mentioned earlier on which is um don't be don't be afraid of change so don't don't be afraid of looking at the data differently or observing or looking at modeling something differently um now there are times where that goes down a, a, a wrong pathway and it ends up eating up a bunch of time and that you might have some analyst that really wants to implement some ai or um they want to dedicate six months to to working on this new project and it ends up probably bearing no fruit at the end of it so that, that's a that's a an important thing to to watch out for but at the same time i think it's important not to not to block that off entirely and to use so we're leaders because we should be uh, familiar with the business and we should know what what the business requires so use that business knowledge to understand whether or not those creative endeavors will could or possibly yield some fruit uh, later on uh, so i'd say don't don't block it out and and uh yeah just uh encourage it on your team wise words from aiden hamway from uhg slash thanks for joining us all right thanks paul